Chapter 26, Epidemic You! The dirty gray dog bounded right up to Nix as if it had been awaiting her return. The shoe still hung from its neck, but had grown tangled and was now secured tightly against the dog's throat. Nix crouched. Sorry about shackling you to this, even if you were worthless as a delivery mutt. She pulled a couple of burrs off the laces, but the knots proved impossible to untie. I need a knife. She noticed a promising-looking rock with jagged edges, but as soon as Nix picked it up, the dog shot back into the ferns. Obviously, it had learned to run when humans picked up projectiles. Come back, you baby. I'm not going to throw it at you. Nix trudged into the ferns after the mutt, but it scampered deeper into the undergrowth. She circled a tree. Even if you want that thing stuck around your neck forever, I need my shoe. She had no idea where the other one was, but one good shoe was better than nothing. Maybe the other would show up behind a headstone. The mutt seemed to enjoy the game. It kept barely out of reach as Nix chased it through the marble slabs and tree trunks. Meanwhile, Nix shouted unkind words about the animal kingdom in general. She was liable to land in another grave if she kept running around like this. Was one mismatched shoe really worth all this trouble? Hey, you leave that animal alone! A small woman in overalls hobbled toward her, wielding a weed whacker. Awesome. The one person who could make this magic moment even better. Love, Zerby. Zerby pulled off her straw hat and fanned herself with it. That creature didn't do you any harm. I was trying to get my shoe. Obviously, Nix would have to find somewhere else to think. Her stomach spasmed as she remembered the situation waiting for her at home. Zerby pointed with a dirt-laden fingernail. Your shoe's on your foot, both of them. I left my other shoes last week. The dog has one tied around its neck. Why was she bothering to explain herself to a lunatic? And how did that happen? Zerby looked around for the dog as if to verify the absurd story. Naturally, the animal had disappeared, and Nix just looked like an idiot. Nix set off down the hill. Maybe she'd go over to Jordan's and squeeze some more cat extermination ideas out of him. I have your shoe in my shed. Nix spun. You do? Want it? Nix nodded. At least she knew where both of them were now. Then tell me why one of them is hanging from that dog. Fine. I wrote a message on the shoe and put it around the dog, hoping that someone would come save me. Mrs. Zerby stared at Nix for a moment and then broke into peals of cackling witch laughter. Nix resumed her downhill trudge. If she ever saw that old bat again, it would be too soon. Zerby could dig a grave and jump in. Hold on, Zerby called after her. I'll get you that shoe. No more tricks, I promise. Nix paused by a tree and dug her fingers into the bark. Was it worth the aggravation? She looked down at the dirty socks peeking through the ends of her sneakers and decided to swallow her pride. Mrs. Zerby led her to a tiny wooden structure and handed Nix her white sneaker. Good as new. The groundskeeper shed smelled like gasoline. Metal contraptions hung from the walls and the rusty lantern that had kept Nick's company the week before now sat on a shelf, illuminating the hut with its brilliant white light. Thank you. Even sitting in the rain for a week, it looked new compared to what she had on. So how are you going to get the other one? Zerby asked, a hint of amusement in her voice. I don't know. Now that Nix had her property back, she tried to think of an immediate excuse to leave. Zerby hung the weed whacker on a nail. Seems like a lot of trouble. Why don't you just get a new pair? Nix shrugged, but her expression must have shown the truth. Mrs. Zerby's smile faded, making her face seem twice as old. I'll see if I can catch the little bugger. Zerby pulled a billfold out of her front overalls pocket. Until then, why don't you get yourself some new ones? She held a $20 bill out to Nix. Nix shook her head. 
I'm okay. I'm sure I'll catch the dog soon. Thanks, though. Zerby took Nix's hand and stuffed the bill into it. Use it for whatever you want, then. The money burns a hole in my pocket anyway. Consider it my apology for leaving you in that hole. At least you called the police. Zerby took a step back and put her hands on her hips. What makes you think I called the police? They've rescued me. They told me you called. Well, they must have had me confused with someone else because I never called no one. I'm taking the money, Nick said, smiling now. You don't have to pretend you didn't call. Zerby shot her a look that seemed like genuine indignation. Nix decided to change the subject. What are those metal hook things? Zerby's eyes narrowed. Go for traps. Blasted creatures go digging into anything that sits still more than five minutes. Trust me, you don't want them burrowing into your grandma's coffin. Nix closed her eyes and tried to erase the mental picture. There was still plenty of daylight left, but Zerby grabbed the lantern to guide Nix out of the shed. She sure seemed attached to that light. Even as she padlocked the door, Zerby held the lantern close to her chest. Maybe she was going blind. Thank you, Mrs. Zerby. Call me love. Nix smiled noncommittally. Nix ran all the way down the hill with her shoe tucked under her arm. Twenty dollars. She could buy a huge bag of the expensive food and still have some leftover for shampoo. That would give her at least another seven days to work out another cat disposal plan. Before long, her sneakers slapped onto the pavement of the Mary Market parking lot. Even though her lungs burned like she'd inhaled sand, Nix couldn't stop to rest. Her mother would already be flipping out by this point. No doubt the police had been notified of her abduction by gang members. Nix pushed her sweaty hair behind her ears, tied her shoe to her belt loop by the laces, and strolled into the tiny supermarket, ignoring the peculiar looks from shoppers. Can I help you find something? The store manager asked. If he was trying to conceal his disgust, he wasn't very good at it. He obviously wished his store wasn't in such close proximity to the trailer park. I'd like to buy your most nutritional bag of cat food, Nix announced. The man, Steve M., according to his name badge, gave her a strange look. For our cats? Of course. Although Nix knew where the pet aisle was, she allowed Steve M. to show her to the kitty chow. This brand seems to be recommended by veterinarians. Looks like this one has seaweed in it. I think that's supposed to be good for the digestive system. Seaweed? Definitely not that one. Her mother would have a heart attack if the cats all got sick. Nix lifted the jumbo bag of vet's choice. Halfway to hoisting it onto her shoulder, however, she froze. Nix stared straight ahead, no longer feeling the weight in her arms. Are you okay? Steve M. asked. Did you hurt your back? The enormous bag of cat food landed on the floor with a muffled crash. The manager looked ready to call an ambulance, but then Nick spoke. She'd have a heart attack if all the cats got sick. Miss? That was it. The way to free the cats. The way to make Mrs. Wack kick every one of them out of the house and never want them back. Relief cleansed Nick from her crown to the soles of her feet. She felt like laughing aloud right there. Did she have enough money? Nix left the bag at the feet of the manager and grabbed the smallest container of kitty chow on the shelf. Next, she visited the cosmetics aisle, then the drug section. By the time Steve M. had recovered and found someone to place the Jumbo Vet's Choice back on the shelf, Nix had already checked out and was putting 73 cents change back into her pocket. Thank you, Mrs. Zerby. This time it didn't bother Nix when one of the baggers wished her a merry September. Maybe because for once, the prospect of a merry anything didn't seem so ridiculous. Nix didn't even mind the tongue thrashing when she returned to the trailer. Steve M. proved a wonderful scapegoat for her tardiness. He wouldn't shut up about all the different kinds of cat food and their various benefits. Mrs. Wack scowled at the excuse, but moved on as to why in the world Nix would return with such a tiny bag of food. 
Nix couldn't think of a way to blame the store manager for that one, so she explained that the Merry Market didn't have the size she wanted, which in a way was true. She would have much rather have gotten a smaller bag, and that she'd go back soon to pick up the rest of the cat food. But right when Nix thought she was off the hook, Mrs. Wack asked where she'd been during the last three hours of class. Apparently, the school secretary had called. Dang those meddlesome teachers. Nix told her mother about Ms. Winkle getting beat up and how she and Jordan went to see if she was okay. Her mother took it better than expected, but naturally she had to tack on another speech about how Nix was going to be stupid her whole life if she kept skipping class. As her mother droned on, Nix cleaned the carpets and got the bath ready. Finally, Mrs. Wack wandered into her room to break up a cat fight, and Nix snuck outside to grab the bag she'd hidden in the weeds. When Nix re-entered the bathroom, there were already four large cats lounging on the sink, like fat tourists waiting for the sauna to be switched on. Perfect. Nix shut the door. That night, Nix dreamed she stood next to her locker. The toothless security guard hobbled toward her. She knew there was something in her locker that shouldn't be, but she couldn't remember what. A flash of black mixed with starlight, an old house sat on a dark hill, a light shone from a low window behind dead rose bushes. Shadows danced in spiral patterns as if someone were in the basement swinging a lantern. She awoke to the sound of her teeth chattering. She'd have to get another couple blankets for her bed. Before sleep had fully fled from her eyes, Nix made a note in her dream journal about seeing the Abendroth mansion. Shouts echoed through the trailer. Nix flew out of bed and stumbled down the hall toward the living room. She found her mother standing next to what had once been a couch cushion. From the looks of it, Brutus had taken it upon himself to shred it into cotton ball-sized pieces. Mrs. Wack was threatening to take the pruning shears to his claws if he didn't stop destroying her furniture. False alarm. Figures. Her mother could always find something to shout about in the morning. Fluff covered the floor and several kittens batted at the cotton, waiting for it to do something interesting. Among the playful felines was one of the experimental cats. Nix nearly laughed out loud. She couldn't believe her mother had missed it. Mom, Nix called, forcing a frown. What's wrong with that kitty? Mrs. Wack turned her attention from Brutus to the center of the room and screamed. Nix screamed, too, for effect. Once Mrs. Wack got over her surprise, she approached the animal and carefully touched its back. What in tarnation? It was a thing of beauty. The pink strips of scalp between irregular patches of hair made it look positively crawling with disease. Mrs. Wack withdrew her hand, looked at her fingers, and then ran to the sink to wash. Nix could still smell the green apple scent of the hair remover, but it smelled enough like shampoo that Nix wasn't worried. It looks really sick. You think it'll spread it to the other cats? I'm sure it's fine. Probably got in a fight. It must have been a big fight then, Nick said innocently. There are two more under the table that look about the same. Mrs. Wack fell on the floor trying to get a look under the kitchen table. When her face reappeared, panic twisted the layers of makeup, making her look like a clay golem. I've never seen the hair just fall out like that. Whatever it is, it looks like it's spreading. Maybe we should get rid of the sick ones so the rest don't catch it. Mrs. Wack chewed on the inside of her cheek. Well, I certainly don't want them all looking like that. Nix's heart leapt. But I won't abandon them outside. We'll have to keep them in a closet until they get over it. Her mother retreated to the bedroom and closed the door. Nix sighed. So close. But then she hadn't expected it to be that easy. Another scream. Nix smiled. Cat number four had just been located. What a wonderful day this was turning out to be. 
After Nix had rounded up the sickly cats and put them in the hall closet with their own food and litter, Nix captured two healthy cats and snuck them into the bathroom for a little hair treatment. It was too easy. The dirty work done, Nix dressed in her favorite pink unicorn shirt and started on her chores. She'd almost finished scooping the litter boxes when Mrs. Wack yelled from the kitchen, "'What in Satan's name is a cop car doing sitting in our front yard?' Nix tripped over three cats and a water dish to get to the window. Sergeant Frost's cruiser sat almost completely concealed by the weeds, which were starting to resemble a small forest. Jordan peered out the back window of the car, pointing wildly at his watch. Flip! She'd completely forgotten about going early to practice. She should have been at the auditorium ages ago. It's Jordan. He's taking me to school today. Nick shooed a kitten off her book bag and headed for the door. When did this start? But Nix was already bounding down the front steps. Jordan opened the door. Don't forget, we're meeting early, he said in an unflattering imitation of her voice. Nick slid into the plastic seat. I know, I'm so sorry, but I've got great news. Good morning, Nix, Sergeant Frost said. Thanks for the ride. How did you know I'd forget? Sergeant Frost pulled onto the road. I dropped Jordan off at the auditorium, but when he saw you weren't there, he wanted to come get you. Did anyone else show up? Everyone, Jordan said. Apparently, Beryl got there two hours early and hunted coons down to open the auditorium. Nix was starting to like that girl. So what's the good news? Jordan asked. Tell you about it at school, Nix said, trying to make it sound unimportant. I've got news, too. Jordan lifted a patch of white hair. Got my stitches out yesterday. A pale pink scar stuck out on his scalp like a flesh-colored inchworm. You never told me how you got that. Last week, she'd been too worried about losing his friendship to even remember he'd been hurt. Leaning back in his chair, Sergeant Frost said. His grandparents had to rush him to the emergency room at eleven o'clock at night. A picture flashed in Nix's head, a window spilling light onto a porch. You were playing dominoes, she said slowly, as if picking the words out of her mind one by one. Yeah, and I was winning too, Jordan said. I'm sure Amy didn't tell you that part. Nix shook her head. She could see the house in her mind now. She remembered Jordan falling. She'd dreamed it was going to happen. Nix locked eyes with Jordan. Amy didn't tell me. His eyes narrowed, then widened. You mean you saw it? He whispered. Nix nodded. That was the second time she'd seen the future in her sleep. It seemed they could finally rule out coincidence. Jordan and Nix sat quietly for a while, not wanting to continue the conversation with an audience. As soon as they stopped talking, however, Nix's attention shifted to the telephone poles whizzing by her window. She closed her eyes and tightened her seatbelt. After a moment, Jordan poked her leg. I'm grounded again, he said softly. Another month. Why? Nix mouthed. Ditching. Oh yeah, they called my mom too, Nix whispered. Sergeant Frost was staring suspiciously in the mirror, so Nix sat back in her seat. Jordan had better get a part in this play or he'd be spending the entire next semester making macaroni and cheese. Nix and Jordan arrived at the auditorium ten minutes before class started. Luckily, Tiago and Sarah had already gone over their songs. Beryl was clearly ecstatic about being able to accompany Tiago and kept asking if he wanted to go over it again. Not that he needed to, of course. Snort, snort. Nix helped Jordan stumble through a simple song from one of Beryl's books. He sounded pretty good, but still seemed unsure of himself. Hopefully he wouldn't freeze up in the middle of his audition. Now Nix felt even worse about being late. It would be her fault if Jordan didn't make it due to inadequate practice time. After the growl, Nix thanked Beryl again and promised they'd be on time to auditions. Jordan cast a strange look over his shoulder as Beryl sang her goodbye to them.
Nix, however, was used to this sort of thing and barely noticed. Go over the song in your head, she told Jordan on the way to first period. Over and over. That way it'll come naturally. I'm not worried. But Nix was. If her best friend didn't make it, rehearsals would be awful. How many weeks are you? Nix startled. A pair of junior girls had appeared, grinning. What? Jordan shooed them away with his arm. Go be stupid somewhere else. Give the baby a kiss for us. They giggled until Jordan feigned lunging at them, whereupon they ran away scream laughing. The baby food in the locker, Jordan said before Nix could ask. I guess it's been going around. They're saying Danny is the father. Nix growled. Sometimes I wish I went to a school for the deaf and blind. Oh, crap. Nix looked up to see what Jordan was oh-crapping about. Crap is right, she whispered. McGuckin stood next to their classroom door, and from the look on the vice principal's face as they approached, it was obvious whom he'd been waiting for. In school suspension, both of you. We don't tolerate ditching at this school, no matter who your father is. Nix assumed he was talking about Jordan's dad, since Mac Wack didn't exactly pull a lot of weight around town. And I'll be sure to notify the police department about your suspicious absences in case you were starting another fire. My dad knows we ditched, Jordan said in a smug voice, and he's not stupid enough to think we're arsonists. McGuckin's amphibious face turned into something of nightmares. Before they could move or even scream, the vice principal's huge fingers shot out like grappling hooks and wrapped around their throats. 